0: Hello everyone. Hi. Welcome to The Soft Pod. A soft place for hard conversations. This is our second mini-sode. mini-sode.
1: So I don't know what's going on
0: <laughs> So we'll give a little bit of backstory in case you haven't listened to our first mini-sode But um, between every main episode, Grace and I are doing this little mini-sode Where one of us has read up on a few things And we present the other with a few kind of key topics And we discuss mm-hmm. It's meant to be mini To be honest, today's going t- to today's be chunky, I think Okay. We'll try to keep it short, but it will be thick mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> love that already. <laughs> the other person does not know what the topics are. So is you use laptops facing away from me and I just get to respond naturally so you get to experience like you're sitting in the room with us. Yes. Well, to begin with, how was your day? Oh, my day was I had the day off today. I wasn't working today and She's, you've been working so much as well recently. I've been on that fucking grind. Mm. And I wanted to do a few things today, but I thought maybe I should let my body rest. And my body said, "Bitch, we're not doing shit today." So <laughs> I was. I did a few loads of washing and a few like basic productivity things. But overall, very chill day. Feeling um, happy to be doing something productive now and fun. And fun. I've been resting all whole day for this moment. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you better
0: give me some great answers. How was your day?
1: <laughs> I actually had,
0: like, it was fine. But actually, I think this has informed the themes of today's episode. Oh, you but did I, this
1: all today? Uh, Yeah,
0: I did. I did prepare this today. I love um, that. I've made this habit. I was telling you before, but I've made this habit of going to my favorite coffee shop at like 6.30 every morning. <laughs> and go I go there for for an hour before I go to placement, and I do things like this or emails, I'm mis- miscellaneous. So emails. proud of you! It's my favorite part of the day, honestly. And I, that's annoying. Like lots of people don't like the morning, and I get that. But I, I'm an early. I go to sleep early, and I. Get it's up early. one of the
1: things I envy the most about you. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> but yeah, today I, my favorite patient passed away. I'm sorry. Mm, and then so. This is this is why we're getting this top, this kind of content today. But also I was meant to be putting my dog down today. It's a it's a death thing. It's a death day, and that's moving to tomorrow. So I've got that to look forward to. And, uh, and forward to And then Yeah, that was a bit sarcastic. So I said, did the sarcasm I didn't not catch come your through. tone? <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, you're fine. And then I sat down over lunch. I was like, I'm gonna treat myself to an episode of The New Sex in the City. And I start spoiler alert spoiler spoiler alert. Spoiler alert <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like literally skip this if you don't want to know. It's and just like that, it's not Sex in the City. It's and just like that, I sit down after my day of death, pretty much, mm-hmm. and then
1: it's Big's funeral episode, iconic episode. And can we just? I'm so sorry. I know that you are in control right now. No. But what did you think of the episode? What did you think of the funeral aesthetic? I want to know. If it's what Big would have wanted, I'm there for it. (laughs) What did you think of the flowers? Cute that Samantha
0: sent them, but like, like we could go, we, we actually, this should be a mini episode episode about the backstory of, of sex in the city and the cast and the, um, the relationships between cast members, because obviously they were covering up the fact that, um, what's her name? Kim oh. Cattrall. Sorry. Kim Cattrall. I can't believe we forgot that. She obviously didn't want to be involved. So they had to, you know, they had to
1: like, they had to improvise. Mm. If, if you want to listen to a really informative podcast about this, the podcast called Every Outfit is True. the fucking goat for sex in the city content Mm. i love everything about it and they just have so much knowledge and it is just everything they say it's so fucking monotone i love it it's Mm. like they hate everything they're talking about but they know so much shit it's just the best yes the shameless series also does a great
0: like um background of sex in the city
1: how could we possibly compete we could try but
0: yeah i don't even want to (laughs) try i I just want to redirect
1: (laughs) Let's...
0: Links in bio. Yeah. So because of that, my mindset and mood has been quite morbid recently. And so I've got a couple of heavy hitting topics here. I just wanted to flag that with everyone. Bit of a disclaimer. We're discussing mental health. We're discussing death. So if you're not up to it, if you don't want to do it, then see you later. Well, I'll stay. It's my favourite topics. so... Yeah. <laughs> but we, we completely understand if you want to just skip this one. Um, but we're going to start Light. It's something I read today on Pedestrian TV. So this was the headliner. Ouch. It turns out Pete Davidson is the one who dumped Kim K and his reason was savage as fuck. Ouch. Ouchie. Wow. wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't know that. Okay. So here's some quotes. He tried ending it a few weeks ago. Then Chris sent Kim down to Australia to keep up appearances for the sake of the show, which he really didn't like and felt was so forced and contrived. She shared that Kardashian producer. Oh sorry, she is another person, another source – shared that Kardashian producers are scrambling to keep the Kim and Pete romance alive until season two is finished airing. Apparently, the two had hardly spoken in weeks and Pete was annoyed by Kim's attempts to flirt with him in Queensland. Yikes.
1: What are your thoughts? Wait, when were they in Queensland? I don't know about this. So, so they had
0: like not been talking for ages. Then Pete was in Australia on his own schedule – And Chris sent – this is the bit that I think is hilarious. Chris then sent Kim down. She sent her. (laughs) She sent her. Go on, baby. Go and make some love (laughs) for for the screen. (laughs) I think it's so funny because, like, she's a grown woman and her mum is still going, like, pushing her into different things. And I think it's such a funny dynamic. And thinking about Pete's, like, position in that dynamic is really interesting because you would feel so – it would feel so fake. And you're like, it, it, how did I get myself into this? Mm, I
1: have questions. So who was the source? Was it a Kim sauce or a Pete sauce? I like that line of thinking. Because I feel like if this is a Pete sauce, like, you know, convenient, but also no shade, by the way, to Pete or Kim. I have shade towards the Kaladeshians actually, but no okay. shade towards Pete, I guess. No shade. Just Let's just leave it at no shade at this point. Um, But I think that... It would make it more exciting if if they knew there was a breakup and that the new season was airing. So like that statement doesn't really check out to me. I'm not a investigator, but I like to think that I am. Mm. But also the whole manager thing. I just am so intrigued by that relationship because we all know Chris Jenner. We all know the saying: the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. <laughs> <I> <laughs> like props to her and shit. But like I just. I don't believe that like I mean would would Kim really if she was going through a breakup with her boyfriend at the ripe age of not ripe, you know, the, the great age of forty or however fucking old she is, I'm pretty sure she's like Hmm. She's a mature woman. She's yeah. We yeah, go Kim. Go Kimmy, you look hot, whatever. If she was going to be embarrassing herself to go fly down to fucking Australia mm. To keep up appearances, like, do you really, I don't know, anything to do with the Kardashians, unless I see video proof, I don't believe shit.
0: Okay, that's a good point. I think, in theory, you'd think that if someone's going through a breakup, no matter, you know, how famous they are, surely they can do it on their own terms. I just hate to think of the contracts these people are in. Oh, yeah, the NDAs would be fucking insane. Yeah, and... Yeah, exactly, and but also just like the expectations of her to do certain things for the show, and they they all play a part in it. Like they they have to they have to create content for the family and for the empire.
1: Mm, it would be exhausting. And if like
0: naturally the timelines don't work in terms of breakups or or relationships, it would put a huge strain on how that plays out naturally. Mm. It wouldn't play out naturally. It couldn't.
1: Have you seen the Kardashians? The newest season? Not the newest season. It's actually like. I hate that I love it. They just do such a good job. They're fucking geniuses. Like, um, I hate them, but I hate them because, like, they're just – it just seems like it should be too too easy. Like, they shouldn't be so famous for, like, what they've done, but they're all such fucking – they're so good at what mm. they do. Like, yeah. it's so frustrating, and they just nail everything. I don't know if it's completely them individually as a unit or if it is their team. If it's their team, like – that whoever's behind this all they've just done such mm. a good job and i yeah. think there would be so many contracts involved i wouldn't be surprised if one of the reasons that kim decided to do law was obviously she says it's to um help people especially she has like an interest in um people that were wrongfully convicted of crimes in the u.s mm, okay but also she'd have to read that many contracts and pretty official contracts can be really overwhelming to read and like have heard the amount oh. you have to read, it would be so beneficial for her to just be able to understand. The amount the of experience,
0: exposure, and education they have had throughout this whole process, I have no doubt they are all like very, very switched on. They would have to they be. They know what they're doing. Except Kylie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let, let's leave that for another mini-sode because I've got so many more topics to cover. And so here we go with the hard-hitting stuff. So recently, the Australian Bureau of Statistics released some data that said that almost two in five people aged 16 to 24 years had a 12-month mental health disorder. That's 39.6%. Over two in five Australians aged 16 to 85 had experienced a mental health disorder at some time in their life and anxiety was the most common group of 12-month disorders. Obviously that, that is a huge amount of people mm, that so. are experiencing mental health disorders and whether there's so many factors to that, obviously it's pro, there's probably more reports of it now that the conversation is being normalised, but obviously there are external factors in our lives that are contributing to mental health mm. issues. So this Twitter post from um, Dr Nicole Lepera at The Holistic Psychologist reads, when depression and anxiety are the norm, it's time to ask what about our world has people not emotionally well? The mental health system will say it's a disorder. Common sense says it's a response to overall societal dysfunction. So obviously many mental health issues are precipitated by things like trauma, physical medical conditions and things like addiction, which we can't talk to. But I wanted to talk more about like the general factors in modern life that might be contributing to our mental health state and what you think they might be.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And that article sounds, um, I really like how she put that. Because when it gets, when you get these figures, you have to look at not just the people who are suffering, but the environment that they're in. Mm. I think in terms of, I can only speak, yeah, as you were saying to my experience, but in Australia or even just any English speaking, I'll say the Western world, this concept of work has kind of changed. I know we spoke about this briefly on the bodily autonomy episode of Mm -hmm. Do We Own Our Bodies, about COVID changing things and I think that kind of comes into play here where we were forced to hit pause and now we're kind of like what are my priorities what am I doing with my Mm. life and I think that the work ethic that we used to have was go to work even when you're sick and you know don't take care of yourself take care of your team take care of others and now there's all this information about self-care and and taking time for you and realistically the balance is impossible Mm. to be a standout employee on a part-time or full-time basis even like a casual basis if you want to be studying or having a social life and taking time for self-care I know a lot of people me included can't really count social activities as self-care because Mm, I like to be I have to be completely alone to really feel like it's self-care in a way yeah Um, yeah I don't know I just feel like it takes me all back to this like meme that we saw in school which is like the triangle of you can only pick two but there's three points and it's a social life a career and mental health (laughs) And I constantly refer back to that triangle. I've never had all three. I so I've know had what like you one mean. to two.
0: But like is it so is it um it's the way society is structured that kind of I guess. means we can only choose two?
1: I think there is there is a level of self-awareness that is more available and more popular because there's like this self-directed education since COVID where people had Mm. to rely on the internet was a big one where people had to find things online and educate themselves. And I guess getting into the routine of being like self-directed learning, I guess. Yeah. People now know Hey, I've got this emotion that probably means this, and now I have to take time to figure this out. But also, I have to go to work. Yes. Um, I oh, I know that's really poorly <laughs> explained, but no, I, I I know what
0: you mean, and I think like normalizing the conversation plays such a hugely important part in that
1: in in that you know the access to information, mm. and especially education. diagnosis for all of those mental health disorders. I think that you mm-hmm. know they probably were they've probably always been quite high, but a lot of people have been constantly in that nine to five or just that corporate drone life where they've not had time to sit down and be like, oh, I'm depressed. Mm.
0: I think also like the, when we're so committed and I guess addicted to technology and our phones, there's an element of loneliness as well that I personally think sits at close to the heart of things. I personally think that connection with other people people and humans learning from each other and also sharing with each other in that face to, call me old fashioned, (laughs) but that like face to face, like also my love language is physical touch. So maybe I just need to be like holding someone's hand Mm -hmm. as I'm talking to them. But I think we've lost that over the past couple of decades and we think that catching up with people, like just keeping up to date with people online is enough. I don't think it personally is. And I think that that is kind of
1: adding to it in some demographics. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point because thinking about before COVID, I was not a physical touch person, hated mm. PDA and now I constantly crave like affection from Yeah, interesting. my friends, even just like hugs and things like that since being isolated. Mm. I do really crave that physical interaction with friends that I didn't feel reliant on before. Yeah. So I think… It's probably fair to say a lot of people's relationships in general have changed since COVID, and yeah, you're right. M- mental health. You're
0: you're so right. Okay, let's go to the next lighthearted topic. LFG. What's that?
1: <laughs> let's fucking go. Oh, <laughs> me. I'm literally an old she's woman. She's not a gamer girl.
0: <laughs> okay, so I've been scrolling through Instagram, and you sometimes see. Okay, I, I'm not. Maybe this is just a me thing, but I'm interested to know your thoughts you see a girl dancing and like obviously looking really hot and you're like power to her like she's looking fire like it's amazing and I'm like I mean like she's empowered she's empowering me everything I'm loving it and then like next video you see a boy trying to look really hot and it's funny because, like, often it, I, I picture, like, shirt off, like, biting the lip kind of vibe or there's there's some cringy ones I've seen.
1: I, I'm actively cringing thinking of the ones that I've seen. But I'm wondering, like, is that a double standard, see? Okay. Great question because, yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. But also I'm not sure if this is what you're referring to, but when I think of those types of let's call them TikTok boys. Yeah. They are looking at the camera. They've got, like, their, their index finger and in their thumb pointed under their chin. and they're see, I have like not biting seen that since like, 2012. Okay, the I didn't really chin. go on TikTok, but I, I'm just imagining <laughs> them, like, stroking their jawline and biting their lip. Oh, yeah, the stroke and then the bite. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm picturing. And, like, they're looking really
0: into your soul. Like, they see something other people don't.
1: Yeah, And I don't see girls doing that unless it's a piss take. So I feel like there maybe is this idea that, you know, maybe these guys are doing it as a piss take, but they also at the same time are like, well, I look hot, so I'm going to put it up. I don't know. I just feel like the way that the TikTok hot boy trend is approached is structurally more generically cringe. If somebody's a good dancer, I I appreciate the art. You know, yeah, it's an and art form. I am thinking
0: about like some like you, you see some like guy dancers, and they like the art form you like, appreciate. Like they know how to move, yeah, and that's not cringe. It like that's also empowered because like it takes a lot of guts to put a, a video of you dancing up it on the does. internet, like. I haven't done it. Have you done it? I've never done it. I probably never will. I have a photo booth full of me dancing in yes. 2011, 2012. Yes. Shuffling and shit. Shuffling. There's a bit of Dougie, I reckon. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to see. But, um, like, and this is, we fit into that awkward age group that's like, we're not accustomed to just posting videos of ourselves. And
1: thank God we were not. Our age when Can you imagine? I mean, so when TikTok came out, we weren't that age because we would we would be posting that shit online. But do you think that though that those kids are gonna regret it?
0: If we would if we think Well,
1: they're probably TikTok famous now because yeah, they true, did it at the right true. time. So probably no. Probably not. They've probably got their little Lamborghinis in the way. <laughs> that um. is it's a really interesting point though, because I think that if a girl... Well, someone identifying as a girl and someone identifying as a boy put up the same video. I would find them and they were like doing that whole lip biting thing and just being like, "Mm, I'm hot. I would find them equally as cringy. Do you know what? I think it's
0: the lip biting is the common denominator. It's upsetting to watch. It's
1: upsetting. Also, when you read in books and you're like reading the dialogue and then it's like – so-and-so bit their lip I used to read books like that all the time Like my teen dramas And I'd look mm. in the mirror And try and bite my lip There's no way it looks attractive It looks nah, upsetting literally. Nah.
0: Yeah It's literally the opening to your esophagus <laughs> <laughs>
1: I only bite my lips when like they're dry, <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta get like that dry bit of skin off my lips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then there's it, no way it's hot. There's no and way. And then there's a little bit of tension, and then ping. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, that's the only time lip biting is. Acceptable. And then you taste a little bit of blood. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you know it's done. You know <laughs> you've got too done. hard, but it's over now.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, that's a good point. I think that there are clearly main. Factors of these videos that are icking. It's not the gender. Oh, icking! I love that. Icking. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> it's the lip biting. It's the it's the squinty eyes as well. Mm. And it's the fixing the hair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're on to the next topic. <laughs> Thank you for It's that
1: satisfying up. to go through these. I come to a conclusion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. We love the mini soaps. This is going to be a long episode. Medium Medium Okay. Just a trigger warning, we are talking now about voluntary
1: assisted dying. Oh, okay. Keen. Yeah, I'm passionate about this topic.
0: If you have had a loved one go through palliative care in particular um, to support them at the end part of their life, this one might be particularly relatable to you, in which case we would love to hear your thoughts and your responses. Um, but also if you don't have the capacity right now, probably a good time to switch off. That's why it's at the end of the episode, so you can get all the goodness at the start. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to give you some context. Um, Palliative care is – so say we've got a patient that is coming towards the end of their life and they've got an incurable condition. You're either going to opt for – well, if it's incurable, you're going to opt for comfort care as opposed to curative treatment. So palliative care slash comfort care focuses on like reducing pain towards the end of the life, Um, nausea, vomiting, reducing – like just trying to make physical – emotional, spiritual health as good as possible in that time. Obviously, for some people, particularly with extensive like disease burden, it's impossible to reach like a a point of no pain in either of those dimensions. And so this topic of voluntary assisted dying has come to the floor because there are lots of lobbyists um, who think it should be legal for very many reasons so long story short we're living in south australia and it's just been announced that voluntary assisted dying will be coming into play as of january next year Mm -hmm. after a lot of yeah a lot of different lobbying and stuff so um, pretty much this is how it would work if you've got a 6 month prognosis of a physical disease, then you're able to engage in this service, or if you have a 12 month prognosis of a like a neurodegenerative degenerative disease which might be like parkinsons or ms, right? right thing is that you you cannot under go voluntary assisted dying if you don't have full capacity. So if someone has dementia, for example, or Alzheimer's, something that impairs their ability to make informed autonomous decisions in that moment, they're not allowed to take the drugs that will um, assist them dying. So for that reason, like you couldn't have an advanced care plan that says when I become Unable to make my decisions, I'd like to take the drugs because at the mo- you have to when the pills in your hands, you have to have full capacity, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like interesting. There's obviously going to be so there's going to be a lot of people who would have liked
1: to do that. Yeah, I guess there's so many variables involved in something like this, which is probably why it's taken a while to get to this point. But Mm. also, yeah, sorry, keep keep going because I'm really interested. I guess the
0: main issue is that if someone doesn't have full capacity and, and they're able to still undertake like this option or go down this option path, there could be a number of really negative factors like perhaps they're getting pushed into it or perhaps they don't know what it means or perhaps like someone's trying to take advantage of them or something like that so there needs to be these clearly defined like does this person have capacity and like to protect the person so the way it would work is that you need to have that full capacity have two doctors one specializing in the field like of the the disease that you have Um, and then so once you've made that decision two pharmacists come to bring you these drugs it's two liquids and then you would you have to do it at home so you take the medicines home because it's actually like and it's not a registered drug right okay so you can't do that in like a facility like a medical facility mm-hmm. under like under supervision of medical professionals you have to do it in your own space which a lot of people would prefer anyway like yeah. you take you go home
1: I guess it's just a once you actually pass away that's the part where some people might not like
0: like to n- have to deal with Like the family and stuff afterwards. Yeah, those logistical things you'd have to work through with families. Mm -hmm. But the other thing, and and I thought of that as well, but a lot of people also don't have families.
1: Yeah, it's a sad thing to think about because you just assume everybody's got kids. but Yeah, or brothers and sisters that are involved. Anyone younger than them that can care for them, but that often is not the case. Mm.
0: And that's, I think, the saddest part of death, like. Yeah. If people do it in a lonely state, like at least if they're in hospital, there's nurses and there's carers around yeah. the place.
1: What makes me even more sad is if they were in a state where they really, when they were most lucid, mm-hmm. they wanted to die, but they were in a situation where they couldn't elect to do that and they had to be in pain by themselves.
0: Yes. Yeah, so as in like the, the state that some people are in now, is that would yeah, like, like previous they, being implemented?
1: or anyone who is um, unable to register for assisted dying because they're not considered to have capacity to have the, the ability to yeah. to do that mm-hmm. that makes me really scared mm-hmm. <laughs> but also i mean it's really interesting because you nobody really knows what it's like to be someone suffering with dementia as you know Mm. someone who doesn't have dementia it's really hard to say if the times where you are lucid are worth the times where you are not and given that because you are suffering from a neurocognitive Mm. disease you can't then say I would like to
0: die yeah I think like I guess with Alzheimer's and dementia, like it's a very constant decline. Like it's not so fluctuating. Mm-hmm. There are other neurocognitive conditions that are more fluctuating in nature, but they usually have a precipitant that then if you take it away, which you usually can, like reverse, like delirium, for example, mm-hmm. then at least they have capacity again, yeah. like when that lifts.
1: Yeah, I guess, I don't know, the concept of it, I think it's really fantastic that we are able to do it. As in assisted dying, but I guess the variables are concerning to me because there's so many. And it would just be so unfortunate for someone who was unable to elect to pass away because of their circumstances, like they didn't fit within those variables. But I totally understand why they are there. That, because yeah, to protect. You don't want to take advantage of of people or, you know, their families pressuring them into anything. But I can just, my mind immediately goes to the most morbid thing, obviously, which is the only, you know, you the only thing you being unable to die is yourself and your own mind. Because you're not able to to make that conscious decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That is one of the scariest things, isn't it?
1: Mm. But I'm I'm happy it's happening, and I am interested if it will kind of evolve because obviously it's like you said degenerative. That was yeah for the for the like the neuro cognitive yeah. degenerative diseases mentally. I wonder if it will change to people who. Don't want to be alive for other reasons. Yeah,
0: like more like suicide, like voluntary assisted suicide, do you mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I see it all as suicide because you are choosing to take your own life. It's just whether or not it is because you are physically dying.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, right now there has to be that physical aspect to it to qualify. So, yeah, you're right. There's this interesting um, quote against Suicide and euthanasia. I'm interested to see what you think about it. I'm
1: interested to hear it. I feel like I won't like
0: it. The ex- it's from a philosopher, renee Girard.
1: Oh, Rene Gir- Girard.
0: <laughs> Did you know him? No, I'm taking- <laughs> <laughs> um, lovely man. <laughs> The experience of death is going to get more and more painful, contrary to what many people believe. The forthcoming euthanasia will make it more rather than less painful because it will put the emphasis on personal decision in a way which was blissfully alien to the whole problem of dying in former times. It will make death even more subjectively intolerable, for people will feel responsible for their own deaths and morally obligated to rid their relatives of their unwanted presence. Euthanasia will further intensify all the problems it advocates it will solve.
1: I think um we kind of talked about this a little bit as well in the Do We Own Our Bodies episode, mm. but the personal decision, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Mm. I think that taking your life into your own hands is the whole concept the of empower. living. That's the yeah. the piece of
0: empowerment there.
1: I mean our whole lives we're trying to take direction and control of what we're doing and for you to be able to make the decision. My life is going downhill from here. I'm in pain. I would like to end it on my own terms. I have no issue with that. Mm.
0: Yes, I agree. I think there is an element of like, you know how sometimes when something goes wrong in your life and it's because of something you did, Mm. it's so much worse. Mm than if you didn't have a role to play in that. Like there's this responsibility and pressure that comes from making decisions yourself about your life. So I understand where that quote is coming from there. Like sometimes there's this blissfulness to not being in control because you don't have the the consequences that you suffer, you don't have to feel responsible
1: for them. Mm. I guess it goes both ways as well. Like if you make the choice to be a pack a day smoker and you have emphysema, mm. you made that choice to poison your lungs. Yeah. And you're in pain. Can you make the choice to end it? Yeah. I mean, it is all choice based. I think. True. If it's not this, we're just like
0: killing ourselves in more chronic ways. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I guess that is the beauty of it as well. It is a personal choice. So. Mm. You can choose not to die. Yeah, like you can die naturally. It might be, you know, if you're suffering, it might be a bit more painful. But I guess that's like what the universe intended. Mm. But you could also, the universe is still the universe, and the universe has a way for you to die by choice.
0: Well, if it comes to like playing, like the playing God argument,
1: mm. we
0: every single day in hospitals, you're playing God. Like mm. you're prolonging life when it shouldn't naturally be prolonged. Like, that, that that's kind of hypocritical.
1: I know this is a kind of sensitive topic because I know that we are putting down your dog tomorrow. <laughs> but I always think back to that when you, you can't – I don't think people should be able to play God. And we – it depends on, like, if you – this example, I guess, is different because we, you're an active carer for this animal. And Mm -hmm. when this animal gets sick and they are suffering, it's frowned upon to keep them alive and let them die naturally. And a lot of the time it's because we have to clean up after them. Yeah. So if you think about us as humans cleaning up after a old dog, I hate to liken it to a human, but at the end of the day, there's people caring for you. And if you can see someone is suffering and you are in the position to be able to put them out of that suffering, that's what we do all the time for animals.
0: Yes. But you could also read it the other way and say like like, yes, that dog's, like, pooing everywhere and they're difficult to, like, look after. And then someone can kind of exploit the system by saying, I can't be bothered anymore, in a sense. Mm. And one of these, like, arguments is that if someone – and so many people are so dependent on their carers, whether that be kids or whatever. If there's this option there, will they have a sense of it's the right thing to do for the people who I'm inconveniencing?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's why the smile thing to do is to initially make it a – it has to be a conscious choice by the person being involved. There will always be pressures and biases. Mm.
0: I think it should be an option. That's my absolute mm-hmm.
1: belief. But No, I, I
0: do too because there's been so many occasions on the wards where people have actively said, That like, can't I die? I'm in so much pain. Mm.
1: Yeah, and there's, like, do not resuscitate. But, like, how mm. far does that really like, – yeah. they have to then get to a point where they might have to suffer before they – are not resuscitated. I don't know. I just think death is so permanent and it is. So personal and everybody sees death differently. Mm. But at the end of the day, the only person who it is affecting is the person dying. And I think that just like how you technically get to choose how you live if you depending on your views, but you should be able to if you have a really firm belief and you are measurably able to make that decision, like majority of your conscious time is wanting to die, you should be allowed to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that like there's nothing to compare to being in like physical pain mm. all the time. I can't even imagine it.
1: Yeah. But when I, you can't I, remember anything except suffering, why yeah. should you be forced to continue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: on that note, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got one last fun topic, but like it's getting so long. Should I just do it? Yeah. Again? I'm, it can be a medium side. That's fine. Okay. Well, let, let's end it on a high note. It's not really a high note, but it's just a light-hearted note. Yeah. Um, I've already, I already re- read this out to you because I thought it was hilarious. I am a long-term fan of Justin Bieber. I know. And, <laughs> just, yeah. yes, and I was just on Instagram, saw one of his highlights, and it was just like a page of text. And I was like, ooh, like, you know, love love getting into Justin's mind. <laughs> So I read it and this is what it says. For some reason I commented on some guy's page, sad existence, in quotes, because he was doing something I thought was dumb. Not sure why I felt the need to write that. If what he was doing makes him happy, who am I to say anything? Hope it didn't hurt his feelings. It's been eating me up all day.
1: <laughs> so that's my favourite bit. <laughs> to the dude I wrote it to, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love everything. Every single thing about this, the accountability, the honesty, the accountability. <laughs> just the like transparency of it all. It's been eating him up. Imagine knowing that, well, yeah, Justin Bieber's a human with feelings, but mm-hmm. like just knowing that like you are Justin Bieber's mind all day because he was mean to you. <laughs> I'm like, please comment something mean on my Instagram yeah. so you can be thinking of me all day. How, how humanizing. Um, it's very human. I wish all celebrities did that shit.
0: And like, I think it also it, it's so it's such a good example of like the benefit of just admitting your mistakes straight away. Yeah. And just like nobody's holding that against him, no. And they would have otherwise. Yeah. Like the media
1: would have got onto that. They would have been like, Justin Bieber commented mean thing on person below him's <laughs> Instagram on inferiors <laughs> Instagram. I love. I just love it. And I think we can take a page out of Justin's <laughs> book <laughs> because like. I just love transparency on the internet. Like, yes. we, we forget that we are all humans just sitting behind like little displays. True. And we have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: and he, he's just a classic, like, doesn't spell things right and, like, uses grammar oh, improperly. there errors. Oh, yeah. It's
1: a bit charming, a bit annoying, but we'll, we'll leave so, it. So, well, he wasn't at
0: school. He was, like, touring the world. Yes. <laughs> so, I he mean,
1: like, he had to make
0: sacrifices. <laughs> yes. But um, anyway, I thought that there was something so childlike and innocent about that story that I just wanted to share.
1: I really love that. And I love that we're ending on this note because <laughs> what a beautiful story. <laughs> I think that is newsworthy. And mm-hmm. I think we should, I'd love to see more news like that. Justin Bieber takes accountability and, like, not clickbait either. Like, Justin Bieber makes heartfelt apology. Like, man, just, I'm sorry. Justin Bieber being a human, love it. Yes. Okay. Well, on that, we bid you farewell. Thank you for listening. I hope it was tolerable. Yeah. I feel like I, I like being unprepared is exciting, but also like a bit frightening. Mm, but you handled it so well.
0: Stop. <laughs> okay, well on that note, we must go and eat our dinner. Yes, dinner time. Um, so as you may know, we're on Instagram mm-hmm. at the soft pod. Mm-hmm. Um, we do we do the Instagram, we do the face. No, we don't do the Facebook.
1: <laughs> we don't do Facebook, no. We we've I've actively spoken about hating Meta and yes. Mark Zuckerberg. So Wait, it's the same thing. Meta is Facebook and Instagram. yeah. So Meta's the blanket term that I yes. use now. Um, but so excited for their um AI, sorry, VR universe. I'm actually really keen for that. I'll be on there. So. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we yes, <laughs> unreachable. reachable. Okay, goodbye. Have a great night or day or evening. Bye-bye.